under the weather, you know what? Show must go on. This is really where investors are getting paid. Pretty much said to Americans and participants, do it yourself. With a different investment landscape today than you've ever dealt with for the last two decades. Today is Wednesday, January 25th, 2023, and this is The Bash. Welcome to The Bash, where we bring the analyst and planner to the table, discuss relevant financial and investment topics. We're going to have 60 seconds to discuss each topic. Scott, what did I say? 60 seconds. My man, the analyst, we're in 2023. Anything change in your life? Doing anything different this year? Tell me. It's 2023. I'm happy. 2022 is over. Yes! 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 All right, guys, happy. I'm getting happy. I'm going to make you happy. You know I'm now starting to read books again. No more just podcasts and articles. So hopefully I can join your circles and start talking to you about some of the books. Uh, I have many leather-bound books. Count. does not count. All right, my man. So let's move. We got first question. We just said 22, 2023. Scott, what happened in 2022? It was a brutal year all around for stocks and bonds. There are not many places to hide. So let's turn the page now. 2023, what do you see as an outlook for the year? You nailed it, Matt. 2022 is a brutal year. And coming into this year, when putting together my market outlook, I wanted to make sure to provide perspective. I wanted to summarize what occurred, but I wanted to really focus on the forecast moving forward. And the one thing that a lot of clients were able to observe of, of my forecast here was optimism. Optimism from all different areas. Number one, the Fed and inflation. The concerted effort that they took in 2022, no investor out there should ever underestimate the Fed's resolve in squashing inflation. Number two, don't fight the Fed. I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. And that remains, they're continuing to fight inflation. So the talk of buying the dip in growth, we wanna be sticking to the long-term plan. We want investors to know that you're dealing with a different investment landscape today than you've ever dealt with for the last two decades. That cannot be taken lightly. But we also want to look at it from the standpoint of back-to-back -back negative years on the S&P 500 is very rare, four times in history. World War II, Great Depression, 1970s, and dot-com. So when it comes to, again, sticking to the long-term plan, dollar cost averaging, you want to be able to use this volatility as an opportunity, an opportunity to diversify, have good balance, but continue to invest. All right, Scott, gave a lesson, continue to invest. Can just add on to some of the things you pointed out. Economy, I talked in the last episode, continue to lag. Probably see some of those labor statistics not as solid each month. And we're seeing layoffs in companies. So this is some of the bad news. But we always say the market is forward looking. So if the economy is going down, I think potentially rates are going to flatten out with the Federal Reserve by middle of the year. And if that happens, every time we hear updates on rates and inflation, we start to see the market sometimes act positively. And I think it's going to act positively. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to turn to a chart that shows us the history of the S&P. Stocks tend to bounce back from bad years. So Scott, from 1950 to 2021, when the market is down 10% or more, there's a 63.6% .6 chance the market will be positive the following year. The market was down 19.44% in 2022. I'm seeing 63.6. That's close to 20%. Look what happens if it was down 20% or more. 100% of the time, the market is positive going forward. 
Scott, I'm going to put it out on a limb here. I think we're going to have a positive year by the end of 2023. From your mouth to God's ears. Yes, Lord. Uh, but let's move on uh, and let's talk a little bit about tools. Some of the investment vehicles available to savers that are out there. But let's talk about what we use. I'm right, going right to it. You know, we use we use exchange traded funds, ETFs. What is an ETF? An exchange traded fund is a basket of securities that trades on an exchange, just like a stock does. ETFs will track a particular index, sector, commodity, or other assets. But unlike mutual funds, ETFs can be purchased or sold on a stock exchange the same way that a regular stock can. ETFs can contain all types of investments, including stocks, commodities, or bonds. Some offer U.S.-only holdings, while others are international. So ETFs, basket, a vehicle. Sometimes I hear investors, people talk about ETFs as, oh, they're great investments. It's what's inside the ETF, Scott, and that's what you'll get into. But they are the vehicles we use. Sometimes they could have a lower cost. I think they can be very diversified, maybe limit some of the risk is in my opinion. So we use this vehicle within our strategies for our clients. And I think it's a very useful tool. Scott, what do you see from the analyst side? Yeah, I want to be broad. Uh, ETFs are a vehicle that provide uh, investors the ability to uh, have the accurate exposures that they're looking for. So if I want to buy a uh, technology um Fund, I can buy an ETF that specializes in tech. Uh, the way I use it, though, in my seat is implementing through our core satellite approach. And in the core, I'm very passive. We do a lot of indexing. We're looking to provide a market overlay strategy. By using ETFs, I could be able to have them replicate the index instead of a manager where there's opinions. Everyone has opinions, Mr. Cabot. There's behavioral finance. There's a lot of risks involved on both sides. But when you're passive, indices don't start and stop. They peak and trough. Stocks can go under and bankrupt. And it's gone. Funds can go under and bankrupt. Indices that are out there that you're investing in, they peak and trough. So for investors out there right now that are looking for general exposures to the overall market, they could do so with ETFs. For investors out there that are looking for a tactical or surgical exposure in a specific area of the market, they could do so with ETFs. It's a vehicle. It's not an investment. Scott, passionate about ETFs when we bring this back to the market because that's what we focused on. And 2022. We're going to move this over. Large, large gap between growth and value sector. So let's take a step back. The S&P 500 growth index is a stock index that often represents the fastest growing companies in the S&P 500, currently heavily weighted towards prominent American technology companies. And on the other hand, value is when stocks could fall out of favor, but still have good fundamentals. There's usually exposure to stocks in the financial and healthcare arena. So zooming back in, Knowing between growth and value, did you realize, well, of course you did, there was a large gap that value outperformed by over 20% versus growth in 2022. So Scott, turning to you, is growth set up for another bad year in 2023? Difficult to say it's in, in for a bad year uh, in 2023, you mean, uh, but let's take one second and go back to the numbers. One year, you're right, uh, value over the last one year up. Two and a half percent growth down 17 and a half percent as of yesterday's close. Take that perspective and zoom out over the last three years, value up 25 percent, growth up 23 percent. 
So certainly when we look at it over the long term, a growth investor should expect to outperform because they're taking on more risk. But when you go through a period of time and, and what the chart that's in front of you shows is over the long term, specifically over these last now 15 years, there has been an enormous outperformance by growth. So for me to sit here and say that I believe that value is going to outperform yet again in 2023, which is what I said going into 2022, I still believe that that's a catch-up trade and not an outperformance. And I don't believe that growth is going to experience the same performance it did last year, but I still believe that that catch-up trade of value will continue. And for investors, you want to focus on the balance sheet right now in a higher rate environment, not the income statement. You want to focus on stable companies, dividends. This is really where investors are getting paid. Yeah, you're right, man. Making money is me, man. It's not on looking at companies that are discounting cash flows many, many years in the future. You are all over this, and that's what I expect, the passion. So I'm going to stick to my outlook for 2023, like we said earlier. I think the market's going to be higher. And I think growth, which is related with technology, is going to be a big part of that. But let's first recognize why are we in this situation, especially what happened in 2022. Coming off a pandemic, there was binge hiring by a lot of the big growth technology companies, support the customer's needs. Then we had the reopening of the economy, economies open, spending shifted towards real world experiences and away from technology. So now, Scott, trying to sound like you, when we're looking at the stock market and their quarterly reports on companies, instead of looking at the top line, we start looking more at the bottom line and value definitely outperformed when rates were rising. But- I think that it's going to be different by the end of the year when you see rates either flatten out or start to go down. You'll see that NASDAQ technology-oriented index performs well when we get good CPI reports. This is my opinion. I think you're going to see much closer relationship in return, and I feel positive that growth is going to come back. Are you sure? I'm positive. And if not outperform value, it would be close this year. That's what I'm seeing. So, Scott, I'm going to be a mini analyst for this situation. Thank you. Totally understand, Matt. Uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk about a hot topic right now, uh, dealing with the regulatory environment and the SECURE Act 2.0. Very new, and it's very relevant to retirees and savers. Matt, tell us a little bit about it and just try and highlight for us the most important points. I like that you said highlight there, Scott, and I'm going to first explain what it is. Secure Act 2.0 is intended to help Americans save more for retirement for many years to come. With more than 90 provisions, Secure 2.0 builds on the Secure Act of 2019 to change the retirement savings rules and tax incentives to encourage more employers to provide plans for their workers, simplify plan administration, and help workers save more for retirement. Scott, the way I see the retirement industry used to be very pension-oriented and maybe the last 30, 40 years, the 401k, they pretty much said to Americans and participants, do it yourself. They basically said, you know what? You do it. And now Americans are behind in retirement. So with the SECURE Act, and you're seeing here is they're trying to make things more favorable. I'm going to do a couple highlights that are effective 2023, starting with RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions. Moves from age 72 to 73. That's right. You turn 72 in 2023, you don't have to have money come out automatically. There's also giving automatic incentives now where an employer can give de minimis financial benefits, which encourages you to put money into a 401k plan. That sounds a little bit like a gray area, but 
They're trying to get you to contribute more. My last highlight for employer contributions that may be designated as Roth contributions. So that would be taxable now to a participant. If they make those contributions, they elect that, but it's now going to be tax-free money on the back end. So that's a new highlight. And I went real quickly about a couple of my highlights, Scott. What do you have for 2023 or some of your thoughts? Uh, Secure Act 2.0 is a very significant piece of legislation and all retirees and future retirees should be alert to it and they should be looking to see what parts of it are applicable to them. Some of the things that I believe are very, very important, the ability to save more. Whether you are a uh, new worker that's young, right out of school and joining the workforce, or whether you are 50 or 60 plus and looking forward to retirement, the ability to catch up and save more has been enhanced dramatically. The ability to push off required minimum distributions, pay less in taxes, of course. But one area that I think is extremely important for some of the younger savers out there with a significant amount of student loans that have the difficulty saving into a plan because they have so much in student loans, a higher match from your employer to help get funds into that plan because you're having to pay off those loans. There's a significant amount of opportunity within the Secure Act 2.0. Everyone out there should go make an appointment with your advisor, talk to them about it, figure out which areas are applicable to you, and then work to implement. Scott, great stuff. We covered a lot today. Under the weather, you know what? Show must go on. So anything you want to add? Look, I'm happy it's 2023, everyone. If I haven't said so already, happy new year. Uh, and look, let's make this a, a prosperous year, a healthy year, and a happy. All right. You got it from the man, the analyst. And don't forget, investors, stay focused, stay disciplined, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Bash. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPC. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee for future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this material may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor.